We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2022 NFL DraftKings Daily Fantasy Strategy Tips. How are you going to win when you put your money in this season? Whether it be cash games, whether it be GPPs, we're going to focus on large field tournaments this week and for the season because that's what we're talking about. Tyler Tambolini from RunPureSports.com is in studio with me. And you will be joining me every Friday on the Pat Mayo Experience live 11 a.m. Eastern time on Fridays for the DraftKings picks. New, new show to the, the golf show was so successful. We had to do it for football. I'm excited. Yeah, love the golf show. I think the other the people did. Definitely got a lot of great comments and feedback on that. So happy to be back in studio today. Happy to be locked in for the season. It's going to be awesome. And people can ask their questions during that show. Good questions. They can get good questions because if they're bad questions, you get fucking banned for life, pals. All right? You don't want to get banned for life. You have legit questions you want to ask. So no stupid comments, no answering other people's questions, although you can't do that on this show anyway because it is not a live show. We're talking about strategy. And I do want to let everyone know that the week one PME DraftKings list Listeners League is now open. Link is down in the description. It's $15 to play, three max entry, no rake, thus making it the best tournament on DraftKings. That means there's $75,000 of rake-free guaranteed money in the prize pool. It's already half full, so you best go grab your spot right now before it's completely full. You don't need to build your lineup as of yet. You just got to get in. If you want to build your lineup, use runthesims.com. Cannot recommend this enough. It is a site built on simulating each game of the slate 10,000 times. You can adjust the projections any way you want. You want to play main slate. You want to play a two-game slate. You want to play any of the showdown slates. It's all up there. Plus, it will give you projections and optimal lineups for whatever you want to do and go in and customize everything. It also comes along with the props tool as well that are also based on the 10,000 simulations. And if you want content, you got rumpiersports.com. Perfect combination. RTS, RPS, put the two together. We talked about it yesterday. We did drop our schedule release for the season. A lot of content over there. You can use promo code NFL15, 15% off for life. But we do have it where the personalities are there. They're explaining the content of what we're actually doing, much like what we'll do today. And then you can marry it and pair it with Run the Sims and use that information to put it into your tournament lineups. Yeah, runthesims.com slash mayo to get yourself a discount off the season package. The season package is the best deal. And you're going to want it for week one. 
So I'm guessing you're going to want it for the Super Bowl as well because it absolutely cleaned up on Showdown last year. I think that's where the biggest advantage lies is in Showdown. We're not talking in-depth about Showdown. Justin Freeman is going to join me for Showdown Strategy and Thursday Night Football Opener. So stay tuned on the PME for that. Plus, I'm giving away 1000 bucks, uh, 500 bucks to the winner. I think 250 and 250 to the other ones. All you need to do is sub to the Pat Mayo Experience Audio Podcast, Apple or Spotify, leave a five-star review, something you enjoy about this show. You can fucking make it up for all I care. Just do the review and sub it, sub and download the shows and leave your Twitter handle or email and boom, you're in that draw. We'll be giving that out, I think, Monday or Tuesday in week two. So you got plenty of time, but you don't want to miss doing that right now. All right, I pulled up the DraftKings lobby. What do I do now? How do I win? <laughs> it's a good, good starting point for sure. I think that, you know, it's going to come down to a couple of things. But first off, like we always want to talk about is contest selection, right? What are your goals? What's your plan here? What do you want to execute on? If you're playing once a week and you want to put 20, I've got buddies that- I want to win a million dollars. How do right. I do that? Yeah. That, that's what I think most people do. That's our entertainment value. Not many people go into the theaters these days. You know, they throw a few bucks on here and try and win a million bucks. I got no problem with that. Obviously, you and I both know and looking at it, spending a lot of time on it, that's probably not the best strategy if you actually want to win money. There is a lot of great three max single entries at week one. Uh, it's hard to get out of that lobby. I've spent a lot of time in there already myself, just sort of picking what I'm going to be playing. They've got a hundred dollar Millie Maker. Uh, I think it's a, t- a twenty dollar, twenty five dollar. They've got all the, they've got the mega. They've got the cues. There's just a lot of stuff going on. So first off, you got to have your plan for the season, what your goal is, and, and what you want to try and do when you're in there picking your contests. So I let's say I come into the season because I know everyone's budget is going to be different. Some people might play, I don't know, $5,000 a week. Some people might play $50,000 a week. Some people may play five bucks per week. Probably not going to win a million bucks on the uh, on the $5 yeah. per week, even if you go, I think there's a $3 millionaire maker. How about, and I know that DraftKings is probably not going to appreciate me saying this, just don't play the millionaire maker and you're probably going to have better results. Yeah, it's the first week is like a $5, 1.1 million field size. They don't care if it overlays. I don't think it did last year, but just to give an example, it's just they're putting it out there, give everybody a shot. It's five bucks, throw it in. For me, throwing 150 for 750 bucks, it doesn't really increase your odds that much considering how big the field is. But like you said, over the long term, again, there's a higher rake. There's this, you know the instance of going against usually on a week-to-week basis. It's a $20 with 200,000 people. There's a lot of other ways that you can attack that lobby to be a little bit more profitable or put yourself in a better situation. And for long-term sustainability and keeping your bankroll and being able to, if you invest your hundred bucks, 500 bucks, thousand bucks at the beginning of the year, or if that's what your total bankroll is going to be. Cause I know some people like to put in a hundred bucks, play the hundred bucks, but that's not their entire bankroll. Right. They just want to play their budget is a hundred dollars a week that they're going to go in. They'll just redeposit, which I'm very pro in some ways. Although the move is really like deposit, then withdraw, then redeposit again if you're doing off your old credit card build yeah. them points get those rewards they baby. gotta get those reward points and you yeah. can do it that way depending on the credit card that you have a little tip from pat who's taking free flights everywhere now by doing that every single week i don't carry a huge balance with me every yeah. week on DraftKings, but i'll redeposit when there's contests that i want to play in some weeks i want to play harder than others if i feel like i have something in tune with the slate which isn't always the best way to go about it because frankly i don't know all that much like i know what i know but what I don't know is far more prevalent uh, when it comes down to the NFL season. That's why I use like run the Sims. Like once I turned myself over last season to run the Sims and their projections, when I was playing 20 max and everything like that, I just did a lot better rather than me. Like I'm going to hand build 20 lineups and I want, I know I want this guy and I want this guy, but all my lines were like basically the same. Yeah. Well, I want to circle back for a second because the first part you mentioned, I think is key and so crucial to like anybody. I don't care if you're playing for entertainment, profit. I mean, most people want to make money, but I guess my point would be, I think a lot of people do that, right? They just say, oh, I'm playing five grand a week or 100 a week or one thousand, whatever your number is. 
that shouldn't be the focus. Like I'll definitely push the edge. If I have a, a week where I feel better about it or the research is coming out and I really like a play or I want to get behind a stack or whatever it might be in NFL, I'm going to press that versus there's other weeks where I'm like, ah, this week is not as ideal. I'm going to scale back some, not because I'm afraid of the slate. I just, I don't see as much of an advantage. And that sort of comes with bankroll management and the experience long-term. But I definitely think you should push in more if you feel like strongly about something or you feel like you have an edge. How many entries to the Mega Millionaire Maker do you have so far? Just one, actually. Just the one, the 4,444? Yeah. And I think it's 634 in that field for the the week one. So I'm going to at least, I'm definitely playing that one, obviously, with the ticket that I have. I'm going to try and get one more. And then if not, I'll probably just buy in a second one so I can play. Week one is always heavy. We'll get into the chalk and how to get different and leverage ownership and stuff. But it's very much a chalk-heavy week. I remember it was a few years back, actually, in the $20 Millie Maker, the gentleman or person or Whoever it was that won the Millie Maker was named Chalk. And it was fitting because week one, it was like everybody in the lineup was 20% or more uh, owned. So, Well, we'll get into more lineup construction in a second. I want to stick on the tournament. What do you think are the best tournaments to play? Because, I mean, obviously the Pat Mayo Experience, Listener's League. Mm -hmm. I, I always kind of joke that it's the best tournament on DraftKings, but it is the best tournament on DraftKings. It has flat payouts. Yeah. There's no rake. The rake. Like you're just you're not going to find any tournament that's like that. Like the the problem with the millionaire maker is because there's a million dollars guaranteed up top. Like coming in second would be great, but it's a real kick in the nuts when you see the disparity between first and second. Yeah. Like all the money is up top, so it's not sustainable as an ecosystem. Like if you're min cashing every week, like what do you want? If you play the twenty dollar millionaire maker and you min cash, what do you get? Thirty bucks? You get ten ten dollars profit? Like that? Yeah. That's no good. Well, they got to keep you coming back for next week when you want to get that same entertainment value. So I, I understand it. I've talked to the teams over at DraftKings to try and sort of get some insight on it. And Millie Maker, you get why it is. It's marketing. Oh, but 100%. For the other stuff, I mean, there is some stuff too that you can look at. And I think that's the key, like what you're bringing up. So any of those single entries, first off, when you're only battling one versus one, regardless of a professional playing or anybody, they can only put one in. So it's always nicer to be up against them with one versus one versus when you go in the other tournaments, it's their 150 or whatever the larger number is and the higher dollar stuff to your one or two that you're throwing in just to try and contend. The other thing you talked about it is to look at the first place prize and what percentage of the overall the overall number is it. So, you know, in a Millie Maker, it could be 33 to 50% to first versus in some of these, like if you, not everyone will have a $333 budget, but if you go to the Wildcat, it's like a hundred thousand on a 600,000 top, top, uh, guaranteed prize pool, right? And 100,000 of it's going to first. That's a lot less. You have a better, more balanced payout structure. You have a better min cash, less people getting it. Like there's just a, a benefit to look at these contests and go into it. If you have a smaller budget, then I think it's key to look at some of like the $20 three max where, yeah, it doesn't pay 10, 15,000 to first, but it's going to be something that can really blow up your $20 to be able to get you in the bigger versions of the same tournaments moving forward. One of the things that I worked with the DraftKings staff on when I created my contest were the fat flat payouts. Like there's $75,000 in the prize pool. 5000 goes to first, mm -hmm. which means all the way down the board, like if you come on your $15 entry and you come 50th, you get 150 bucks. Like there's no other tournament that's going to pay you out that much for coming in 50th of a 5,000 person tournament. It just, it's right. not going to happen at that price, but it's 5,000, 3,000, 2,500, 2,000, 1,500. It's the same thing we did in the golf one and done where we didn't want to stagger everything towards the top. And yeah, that's not great for marketing hundred percent, but these are the types of tournaments and there are every single week, like you mentioned, a few of them that are structured like this. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's what you need to be watching. That's I think so many people get caught up in all oh, the payout structure sucks and this. They want to say that, but DraftKings is putting out so many other options on there that are great for you. You just have to dig in and get past the fact that yeah, you're not going to be able to play for a million this week or a hundred thousand. But would you really be met? Like, how often are you winning five or ten thousand? Probably not very often. So get after it. Try and win that first. Get that money, and that's how you be able to build yourself up. And then the other thing, Pat, just to go back to it, the first place prize is one thing to look at, but I also look at how that structure works down to tenth. And there's where I'm saying some tournaments will be 100,000 to first, 1,000 to 10th. That's not ideal either, right? Even though it is a little more staggered, what I'm looking for is like 5,000 or 10,000 even to 10th place where it's you know, 10% of first place prize. Been a common theme. We've talked about it for years looking for this. If you could get a prize pool that was 500,000 with 50K to first, 10% of the total prize pool to first, and 5,000 to 10th, which is 10% of first place prize, you've probably got yourself a pretty good structure that you're involved in, and it's probably a pretty decent rake, you know, not too much, all those factors. So that's where you can find these little edges to at least put yourself in a position to have a chance going in and feel better about it. So if I have $100 to play this week, for week one, that's all I got, where should I be allocating my money? How do I find these tournaments? Do I play in one $100 single entry? Do I play five $20 millionaire makers? Do I play $25 millionaire makers? Or do I try to say, hey, maybe I'll play the, is there a $33 three max this year? There was last year. There, there almost always is. Or a five max, they have it. Or you know, yeah. certain ones like $20 three max. There's a lot of different. Well, you see a lot more five max in NFL than you do in any other sport. Do you like the five max tournaments? I, I do. I, I like anything one to five max. You know, it's something I worked on really hard over the last year and a half or so because uh, my specialty or what I've usually had the most success in in both golf, football, other sports is being able to MME, mass ball to enter against the field, try and find and exploit edges, leverage things, go up from there. But you, what you'll find is actually in these tournaments, that's what we're going to talk some strategy today for people is that when you go in these one to five max, again, like I said, people like myself and other professionals that aren't putting in 150 can't. You've got a better edge against that. And also they're not always good at that. Me personally, like I said, I had to work on it very hard. I was not good at exploiting these fields. So other lineups were beating. I was too chalky or I was going with what I thought was too far the other way against the grain. And that's not what you want to do in these tournaments, right? You want to figure out what is the field doing? What can I do to get different? And oftentimes it's not, you don't have to be that crazy. Like I said, we'll talk some of that strategy throughout. Well, I, I think that, well, do you think that the strategy for single entry, three max and five max is far more similar than the giant ones where you can enter 150? Yeah, I would argue that it is. Again, depends on the buy-in and the higher, like in the higher dollar stuff, sometimes there's somebody that's just throwing a lineup in that's their cash lineup that they're playing everywhere, but they're putting it in that because who cares? It's such a small percentage of their bankroll. Some of these higher end pros that are playing thousands and thousands of dollars, they're just adding that into their repertoire of, I'm going to play that tournament too, so I may as well just throw the lineup in there. If it ships everywhere, it ships this too. For me, I can say I know what the field is doing. Usually ownership is more condensed in these higher dollar, smaller fields. And even the $100 single entry would classify more people that are taking their shot for the week because that's a shot for a lot of people, 100 bucks. They're putting it in and saying, I gotta be, I can't be too crazy. I gotta stay pretty safe. And that condenses the ownership. And now you have a better idea of what you're going up against to be able to have the opportunity to exploit that. It's funny in NFL because people say they don't want to get too crazy or people get like really crazy. Like, Oh, I can't yeah. have any of the chalk plays. The middle ground is likely where you want to be. Like if you have two guys that are kind of off the board and usually it's a pivot at the very high end of, Hey, if Christian McCaffrey is going to be 40% owned in this $100 single entry and Derrick Henry is going to be 5% owned. You take that chance. Yeah. Cause Derrick Henry is awesome. 
it's the guy the guys that I see that get themselves into the most problems because they see a millionaire maker hit like the one week I uh, forget I think it was the week that Smiz ended up winning the million back then when he had Kelvin Benjamin and Travis Benjamin I, 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 forget, I know it was the uh, the American hero Stefan Diggs that who got, got it done late for swapped him. in and got the job done yeah but I'm not sure the rest he, he played him over Eddie Lacy but like he had a fairly chalky lineup with like one or two off the board guys but the off the board guys were good guys they weren't like some three thousand dollar wide receiver yeah <laughs> I think you nailed it there. A couple things, just like you mentioned, but like going back to it, the setup of not getting too crazy. Sometimes it's as simple as the Derrick Henry play. Like if 95% of the field is not playing him, he's a guy that can score two or three touchdowns in a game, bust a hundred yards, whatever, even if it doesn't seem as good that week, that's not really going off the board. You're switching from a stud to another stud that just nobody wants to play. Meanwhile, people are trying to, I talk about this in golf all the time, but they're looking for this diamond in the rough. Well, this wide receiver four is being elevated this week. I saw him in preseason. He did this. I think this is going to be his week. I got to be early on him. This is the first chance. Well, first off, you're not even being early because five to 10% of the field are hopping on this guy that you think is a diamond in the rough. And then secondly, it's it's oftentimes they don't come through because they weren't ready. They were elevated, but it didn't mean to get a giant role. Maybe they don't know the playbook as well. Maybe they haven't been as strong passes. There's a reason they were a wide receiver for. Never forget that. And usually you can just find another spot to get different. The only week that doesn't make, uh, I mean, I think that's very sound logic for weeks two to 18 because the week one pricing comes out so early that these quote unquote diamonds in the mm-hmm. rough at lower prices might actually just be really good plays and they might For end sure. up like at a higher ownership percentage. But I, what I've learned over time is that the, the sleeper $3,400 receiver is going to work like 5% of the time because receivers aren't the same as running backs. Like you have the cheap running back who's $4,000. You can project the role for the running back. It was like, I forget who the Bills dude was like three years ago. Something, Andre Williams? Maybe that was his name. Yeah, I forget now. But anyway, he was like 4400 bucks, and everyone else on the Bills was hurt. So you knew that he was going to touch the ball 20 plus times. And he, he ended up getting there with like two touchdowns, like very sneakily at the end. Now you can choose to fade that, but at least the role is defined for the running back and how many touches they're going to get. But if, I don't know. Justin Jefferson gets hurt on the Vikings, and now K.J. Osborne is starting on the outside. That doesn't mean that K.J. Osborne is getting 35% of the target share. He's not getting the Justin Jefferson share. That has to be a decision made by the quarterback, by the playbook. Receivers don't work the same way, and I feel like people get themselves into trouble with that. Yeah, I love this strategy talk because there's so many things that I'm thinking in my head as you're speaking. Like One example of that would be just a, a great one is sometimes when you have that plug in, uh, you know, what I like to do is try when I'm looking for these cheaper wide receivers, even if they're coming with some ownership, I look at who's their quarterback, who's the coach, what's the plan, what does that look like? Because oftentimes when people are squeezing in uh, an Elijah Moore before he was anything or a Denzel Mims or something like that, again, you're still on the Jets with a bad quarterback, with a bad team, with everything, on top of the fact that there's a reason they weren't even getting starting roles on that team. Just throwing fake names, just to say that, is a way to look at it differently because I might get like a guy that gets subbed in with Aaron Rodgers or with a, uh, you know, Kyler Murray or something like that, where I can actually see a little bit better upside out of them. And you just don't always get that. Uh, One more thing I was going to say too, because you brought it up, but like the running back situation, running back chalk, usually way better. It's, you know, historically at least has been better. Doesn't mean you still can't make a pivot there or find a different angle and I'll give one. But if you, you know, look at wide receivers, it goes the same as you said on the cheap ones as the expensive. Oftentimes, the $9,100 Devontae Adams, even when he puts up 35 or 40 points, which feels like a floor last season, of course, using, it's like 
it's not guaranteed to be on a millie maker winner because you then you, did you even need Aaron Rodgers with him so on and so forth where you just get yourself into trouble that way and then lastly on the running back thing you talked about it earlier just trying to find a way to get different without getting too cute this is the way we could kind of put it sometimes it's like this okay this running back is going to smash this week in this spot everyone's playing him he's 30 percent owned well what if the game script flips you'll see an opposite running back on the you had the right idea you had the right plan you had the wrong team in the same game it flipped the other way and now it's the running back from the other side and the wide receivers we are almost getting free leverage just on the, a simple thing of the game flipping sides like I know week one Christian McCaffrey is going to be super highly owned yes because I mean he is the reason that Christian McCaffrey is because he's not the most expensive running back and every time that he plays he should be the most expensive running back because he is game script agnostic mm -hmm. if they're losing that's almost better for him in a lot of ways because he's going to end up catching 14 balls or something like he you can't take him unless he gets hurt that's how he gets taken out of the game yeah I guess that's what the hedge is against so you know that he's going to be very highly owned you see Jonathan Taylor against Houston in week one although he's the most expensive that makes a lot of sense that's why I brought up Derrick Henry like it's a good matchup against the Giants he's $8,600 he's right in the middle of two guys that we just know are going to be popular it's not that no one likes Derrick Henry it's just he's a very clear number three on that list I can even I don't know if Eckler is going to end up with a ton and then I look right below I see Dalvin Cook no one's going to use Dalvin Cook this in week one right I don't want to use Dalvin Cook in week one but he seems like the guy he and Kamara at their price points because they're not too expensive but the guys above them are just way safer and everyone's going to go to them and they're more comparable to the guys below them like realistically with the opinion that people have coming into the season what's the difference between an Alvin Kamara at 7600 and DeAndre Swift at 68 I think most would argue DeAndre Swift is the superior player at this point in terms of fantasy and he's cheaper of course people are going to use him right. but finding those like Nick Chubb is always a good one with this because he's a bad PPR player but when he smashes he doesn't need to catch passes because he rushes for 200 yards and two touchdowns yeah. that he's always a guy that is inherently lower owned and Derrick Henry gets the same treatment I was just gonna say he's the Derrick Henry light because that's exactly why it happens they say oh I know that Derrick Henry is going to be one-eighth or one-fourth of the ownership, if we want to even pump it up a little bit, of a Christian McCaffrey, but I can't trust it, and we're playing DraftKings. That is a full PPR format. Even if they're up or down, it doesn't matter, and the ball's caught for a guy like CMC, so I'm just going to go there. But then you see a guy like Derrick Henry rip off an 80-yard touchdown out of the gate, and you're like, whoops, onto the afternoon slate or onto showdown tonight. Like it's, it's the way it goes. So you have to be willing to take that on. I think, like you said, especially on a, a week like week one, where you're going to see, you know, because of the cheaper price tags that people are going to just associate with guys right away and say, it's, it's too bad. The pricing came out early. We just got to play it. You can easily fit the higher end running backs. And so a way to flip that on its head would be to go and play cheaper or mid-tier running backs and build up your receivers and not take the chances on some of these 3K Robinson type receivers for the Giants or something like you'll see a lot of Robinson with uh, oh. a guy from Tennessee l l let me let me use the the run the Sims tool right now let's go NFL let's go to the optimizer and <laughs> see what's going on I think it's worth noting that let, let's just talk about cash versus tournament very quickly so if you define a cash game we're talking about 50 50s we're talking double ups I would throw head to heads in that as well yeah well for sure and essentially what people do is they have the site of their choice I prefer runthesims.com slash mayo to get that discount because I think the projections are awesome. But other sites have excellent projections as well. So they're just going to go to optimize yep. and take whatever the first lineup is that spit out that's projected for the most points. And generally, that's good against random people who are entering head-to-heads realistically yeah, which you can set it up to to block certain guys on DraftKings. you can set their software set up so you can actually do that and get yourself maybe a little edge just by playing that that, that lineup is probably better than whatever you're going to hand build out what's the, what's the name of the software to block the people 
Oh, no, when you go on DraftKings, they have it so you can... Oh, yeah, you block, block the people, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. If you didn't want to play, like, quote-unquote, sharp, so you're... You don't, you don't want to play toe-tag in Tampa. I don't want this guy to grab my games. You can you can set it up to block certain players so that you are only getting... You could set it up so that you're only getting a max of a certain number of games against any random person so that someone with that's really sharp doesn't grab, like, 20 of your 20 lineups that you've posted that you're willing to go against. So, essentially, in week one, and obviously this can change because we're filling this a little bit out, injuries can happen, whatever... If you are in a head-to-head or in a cash game, expect Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones to be the two highest-owned quarterbacks. Like, it's yeah. not even going to be close. Yeah, and as we get closer, I think it'll be Jalen Hurts. I know that everything loves Daniel Jones right now, and it's because of the stack with it. Like, you can get Robinson, you get all those guys for cheaper and run that side of the stack. I've already been looking at some but of people, stuff. But people don't seem to want to run it back with Derrick Henry, which is really weird. That's what I was going to say earlier <laughs> when you brought him up. I wonder if it will be affected by this, because if you look at any of the stuff that, that's pumping out right now, it's not really going after Henry as much as it wants you to stack that giant side because of you can fit anything you want at that point. And that's where you just got to realize when we get closer to the setup of what the ownership looks like. If more people hop on to Henry because it works with those stacks, you can always look to get after a Tennessee wide receiver instead to get a little bit different while still using the same spot. But we'll have to wait and see as we get closer to week one. It's funny. I just, with the settings that I have right now, I capped everything at 40% yeah. in terms of the max anyone can be in one lineup. And the first 80 lineups have either Hertz or Daniel Jones as the quarterback. Yeah, they're just so cheap. And like I said, week one, we can already have ways to fit everything else. I just, like I said, as we get closer, we'll see. But you can fit Hurts in cash games because people want the dual threat of a quarterback in cash games. It's a great floor. Great floor, high ceiling. So essentially the difference is you're playing for floor in cash games. I'm not playing to min cash in GPPs. I'm playing for first. If I lose, fine. Like, whatever. I'm good. What are realistic expectations if you're only playing? I only play tournaments. I can tell you what the realistic... Yeah. I don't know what the realistic expectation... I can tell you what the reality is, is that you're going to lose more weeks than you win. The whole point is to capitalize when you win. And by playing floor-type players, like that's really the difference between the bottom end of the wide receivers. Like When you get into that $3,000 area, if you want to go down there... I the most success I think I've ever had in a football season is when Ted Ginn was thirty four hundred dollars every week. I would just play Ted Ginn every week. He would get three targets a week, but they were all nine routes, bombs down the field. Some weeks he'd catch two and he'd have two catches for two touchdowns, like 135 yards. I kind of want my cheap wide receiver to get there on one play. And if he's not cape, like I don't want the old school Austin Collie, like, what's his upside? Oh yeah, seven for seventy seven and no touchdowns. I can yeah. find that. Like, the, the, the 14.7 points, that's fine. That's great. But that's his upside. Like, he has to score a touchdown at that point. The other guys are getting bonuses. They're scoring touchdowns. They might give you a zero, but I think that's okay. Well, I think you should be playing that way. The realistic expectations, you could literally lose every week in NFL. There's only 18 <laughs> weeks, right? What is it? Uh, 19. I forget the complete breakdown of it, but the point would be that every week, if, if you're playing like that, and then it's all how you play it. You just talked about it. If you're going to play sort of scared the old the old adage scared money don't make money is definitely true in nfl like you said but then to your point earlier what we've talked about already on the show is you can go back to where people then go too aggressive right now they're saying well i was talking to the show on somebody else the other day where you know i'm going to stack the jags this week i know their total is only 39 in the game but if it just works this one time with trevor lawrence and his guys now they're cheaper they moved out chenault they've got other stuff there you can get a cheap stack with them if they just become the stack this week Everything else looks so good. It does, but that happening, you're already adding more risk to what you're doing. And taking on more risk is okay, like we talked about, especially in these larger fields. But playing it stupid or playing it you know, sort of a, in a way where you're adding too much risk can also be a thing, to your point. So like, I'm on Run the Sims right now, and I'm looking at all the totals for the game. So let's talk about totals and spreads and how that may affect everything. Mm-hmm. 
Higher total, generally, if a game is above 50, you expect a lot of points. Good game to target. Even if it's a crappy team yeah. in that game against a good team. And someone needs to get to these points. Well, week one, Detroit, Philly. We talked about Hurts already. That that's two crappy teams on paper that you know have some great. Uh, the Eagles are like Super Bowl favorites now. Jeez, oh, listen. <laughs> when you get this stack together on week one, like it's Jay, you can get to, you know Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, run it back with Amon Ross, St. Brown. All these favorites of people that are cheap enough have upside. Get your Swift in there. All these things. Just using one example from week one. That's a spot that you could target, but that also could become what I always call like the sneaky, not so sneaky spot where everyone's like, oh, this game's sneaky. And then it's actually not because ownership and everything applies to it. But you brought up a good point. Totals are where it goes first because in NFL, it's all stacking, correlation, game stacks, et cetera. So of course they go to that, you know, the highest total. Then the next couple totals will get a little bit more ownership and it leaks down from there. Sometimes you can find that sneaky game that isn't the sneaky, not so sneaky game where people are hopping on. It. I'm I'm looking at it right now. I know what the sneaky game of week one is going to be. What you think it's going to be? Right no, now. It, which it is going okay. to be. Well, what is it? It's Packers Vikings. Okay, forty eight total. It's the fourth highest on the slate. No one knows who to use with Aaron Rod. Like the Packers side of that, just use like if Tunyon ends up going week one, Rodgers, Lazard, and Tunyon, and run it back with Cook or Jefferson or whoever you want from the other side, or even just yeah. do Lazard and Rodgers with uh, like a skinny stack. Yeah, we'll get we'll get more into like the the correlation part of this in a second, but like Arizona, Kansas City, Vegas, and the Chargers. You have Philly and Detroit. Like those three games are going to be out of this world owned because yeah. they're they make so much logical sense of what to do in those games. Like with Kansas City, I mean, you could take the pass catcher down, or you could just take a moderately priced James Conner with your Chiefs stack. But Chiefs are difficult to figure out in a lot of ways. I was just going to say, the Chiefs, because of the no Tyreek Hill situation, obviously him moving over to Miami in the offseason, where now, well, like you said, the uncertainty of how do I stack up Mahomes? I know this could be a good game, but they they don't just want to do him and Kelsey, and they're, they're scared to put in but, a certain what, receiver. Do you think it would be okay to do? Like, and we're talking not necessarily a millionaire maker here, because you probably do want a triple stack in a 150 max tournament with 200,000 people. But if you're playing in the single entry or three max or five max, Mahomes with Kelsey and bringing it back with, I don't know, Hollywood Brown, James Conner, whoever it is, Zach Ertz, who's going to be super popular because he's super cheap. But it makes sense, like in a smaller field tournament, I don't mind that as much, just the three players from the game. Yeah, it's definitely fine. Like I said, I've got no problem with that, especially, like you said, the higher the dollar, the smaller the entries, you definitely can just go like a Mahomes, Kelsey, run it back with one guy or whatever. You don't even have to run it back if you don't want to, to be honest. You can just say, he's going to throw Kelsey two touchdowns. I'm going to lock in these points. He's going to throw enough yards. Don't. I'm not going to try and figure out who the third guy is. I'll take those points in with Mahomes when he gets it for the, the, the bonus or whatever it might be for the 300 plus yards. So they, they'll find it in a different way without needing to force it in and get that zero on the mistake they picked the off wrong yeah, wide you, receiver. Everyone wants to use Juju. Yep. What if it's Guy Moore? What if it's Marquez Valdez Scantling? Yeah. What if it's some rando who's on the team? They're and, like, and all, right, all those guys you said will mostly be low to no ownership in the higher dollar, smaller fields, even like the hundred dollar single entry. So you don't have to take on that risk. You're not going to be dead if you don't have it. You're probably not going to be guaranteed if you do. Like you know what I mean? You're not guaranteed if you do have it because someone else could do as much as Sky Moore if you got him right. Well, I, I think this is the the key point here of why you play these three max, five max, smaller field entries. Like I'm even looking at the one hundred dollar single entries. Yeah for week one like i'm probably not gonna play in the big one like i think field size like i had so much more success once i started playing in the lower payout but smaller field tournaments like i don't need to play in the jesus there's a lot of tournaments week one is heavy week week sure. one and there's a lot going on week one here <laughs> so in terms of like there's a winner take all 100 
Showdown double up. Oh, King of the Beach qualifier. Are you going to be King of the Beach this year? Are you going to lose again? I got to go back. I've got the, the 2017 third place. Yeah. Last year's second place. I got to go back and get that first place trophy. What did second place pay last year? 150000 150000 Yeah. First was two fifty. Loser. Yeah. That's a good payout structure, though. It's an excellent payout structure. Like, it, it would have been a lot shittier if it was, like, first prize... Like if it's two hundred and fifty, you win one hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah. If it was like four hundred thousand, you won like thirty thousand. Yeah, it's, that'd it's be real so kicking the nuts. That's why these are these are my, any if you can get to any of the live finals, the structures are built to take care of the people that get there. You also have to put a lot in to get there usually, and you have to beat a lot of people. It's a winner take all situation to get in usually. All these factors, so it definitely adds up in the end. So looking at it right now, there's the hundred dollar millionaire maker, a giant tournament. People can play one hundred and fifty lineups that has twenty eight thousand people in it. Obviously, there's a million dollars of first prize. That's great if you win. Not so great if you come in second right. for that one. And then you have, let's see here, uh, the spy, the $100,000 spy, 20000 to first place, has 1,111 players, and it's $100 to play single entry. But then you have, like, the 50K spy. Cut that in half. Obviously, you only get 10K for first, but now I'm facing fewer people in that tournament. Uh, the one I really like is the uh, 40K, 5K to first hot route. 444 people like those are the tournaments yeah. that I want to play and I don't want to play in the $3,000 because I can make mistakes in this one and still potentially win big time and I think that's the part that people overlook is if you're not perfect in these giant tournaments and like you said if you don't have like in the Mahomes stack if Sky Moore is the one who goes off well he's not gonna be very highly owned he's probably not gonna hurt you in a tournament like this. If you're in the tournament with 28,000 people, he is going to hurt you. If he's you don't somewhere have in there. Yeah, he's somewhere. Yeah. Like, out of 28,000 people, even if he's 1% owned, he's still going to screw you because yeah. you don't have him. In this tournament, not so much the case. Yeah, I agree 100%. It goes, you know, a couple different ways. Like, one other thing about that is, like, in a game stack situation, just another strategy tidbit. But when you go through, like, oftentimes, you know, secondary stack has become such a popular thing where you've got your stack, your quarterback, your wide receiver, your run back. But then people are going to a secondary stack of, like, a running back, and a wide receiver. And one thing I, I do just to look to avoid, it doesn't mean it's 100% right. It's just one thing I, I you know, like you talk about these large fields, people will stack a, a secondary stack of a running back and a wide receiver. So let's use Devontae Smith and DeAndre Swift in that Philly-Detroit game. But let's say by week one, when we actually get there next week, that is the most popular game on the slate. Let's just say that. Well, to me, that makes no sense because you're putting those two in hoping that they're the only two that show up in that game. You're thinking they show up, which could lead to the game stack going off. Mm -hmm. So when said game goes off, your little secondary stack doesn't mean anything because the, the game stacks pass you and you're getting crushed in those large fields. It ties in with what you just said, where it's like it, other people will have that and now you're dead because the whole thing went off and you only had those two small pieces. I like the idea of the secondary stack. I like to do it with two opposing wide receivers, though. I don't love... Yeah. I mean, you can get, you can do it. I'm trying to look at ones this week that you could potentially do as one-offs from each team, like McLaurin and Travis Etchen. Like, that would make sense because usually if you're stacking a team up unless it's the giants or eagles this week which is going to be cheap which is going to be pretty cheap relative to the other stacks that your main stack is probably going to be pretty expensive yeah so you can't go like because i mean the the best one to look at would be i don't know brennan cooks and jonathan taylor mm -hmm. like i just think that those two make so much sense together and you really don't want to stack up the houston passing game and you don't really want to put jonathan taylor in a colt stack because that doesn't yeah. make any logical sense i mean it might work who knows but when we're analyzing it, it doesn't make any sense because he's going to be running the ball, not throwing the ball. Therefore, your quarterback isn't scoring any points to correlate them. 
But that's pretty expensive. You have the most expensive running back and like the 10th most expensive receiver. It's going to be hard to stack up. That would be a good one if you use the Giants. Yeah, I like that secondary stack though because like I said, I'm not worried about game stacks passing me or anything like that. I'm not worried about people being all over that game. I'm just connecting two pieces from a game that makes sense with two plays that I can get back and forth. So I'm more okay with that than when people do it on the other side. The other way people do it, like last season, for example, I used Devontae Adams earlier. I would never really just play Devontae Adams by himself. He's already 30% owned. He's $9,000. If he has a ceiling game, highly likely that Aaron Rodgers went off too. So why would you not be stacking them together? To me, again, could it get there in the higher dollar, smaller field? Safety play, like build differently with your stack, fit him in as your guy that's safe instead of a running back that's safe, or maybe both. That's okay. But for me, I'm not playing him in a large field tournament by himself because it's not very often he's going to hit a ceiling outcome you need without his quarterback. Well, let's talk about correlations in the lineups and the different ways that you can do that. We've talked about stacking. Remember when people didn't do this? I, yeah. It was the it. best. Like, that's when I used to win at DraftKings. Yeah. The that, field is much sharper. Like, they're beyond just the stacking, the correlation, the game stacks. They're also onto the secondary stacks now that we've talked about. Not just running back, tight end, or wide receiver, wide receiver, opposite games, but even the running back defense was a thing for a while. Yeah, like, I there, there's just so many of them the, that people are putting together now. There was a few that we used to try out. The, uh, the, the double dip. The, well, the double triple dip, dip. The, the triple dip stuff, the double dip was fun. That was a Smiz one, but there's just so few players who can actually accomplish. Antonio Brown was the king of the double dip. Mm-hmm. I guess Tyreek Hill has done it. Devin Hester would have been another one. And all it was is you take a receiver who's somewhat involved in the offense or very involved like Antonio Brown, who also returns either punts or kickoffs yeah. and you play the defense with that receiver. So if they ever returned it, you'd get the double points for it. But it just, it doesn't happen enough to actually do it. Yeah. I don't mind the running back. I didn't mind, should I say, the running back with the defense. But the more I thought about it, because I used to do it for ages, and then I started thinking about it, it's like, well, I'm actually kind of eating my own tail with this. Because I want the running back to score the touchdown, or I want my defense to score the touchdown. Then the whole idea was, oh, a good defense will generate a turnover somewhere close to the goal line in their end. You'll get the points for the sack and the turnover, the three yeah. points, and then your running back will put it in. But you're actually like capping your upside with that. If you want your defense sacking, fumbling, and returning it for a touchdown, and you're running back scoring in a different spot. Yeah, I mean, that that was what it was. It's just so hard to get it right, because then all of a sudden, like I said, it's a pick six instead of landing on the one. You want the perfect scenario. You want them to pick it off, land on the one-yard line. Your running back comes jogging onto the field, hands it off to him. He hops in. You need so many things to happen for that outcome that, you know, the point was then if they got you up in the game, your position would be that the team's running more to run up the clock. That gets your running back more points so on and so forth. It can still make sense and works. I, I do it I do it a ton. I'm just saying it's not something that I care about or, or go to jam into my lineups on purpose. Like, I'm not like, I have to have this. It's not a secondary stack I'm jamming in. So what are the best correlations we can do? Because we talked about stacking, skinny stacking. We should probably explain to people what that means. So I think for a long time, it was play a quarterback with a receiver or tight end of choice. And on the other side of the game, either play the running back or play another receiver. And running back makes sense because the way that you have envisioned the game is the running back on one side is going to score all the points and that team's going to be winning. Generally, you take the spread favorite in that game. Like to look at it this week, if we really knew who the Baltimore running back was going to be, right. it's probably going to be like Mike Davis or something stupid like that. But <laughs> there are Kenyon Drake yesterday. Yeah, yeah. There we go. So yeah, Kenyon Drake, <laughs> Dobbins is limping around the field. We haven't heard from Gus Bus in like six weeks. No yeah. idea what he's up to. It's a bad... I mean, let's just take the Colts, like the Colts situation. So you have Jonathan Taylor, 
on one side. They're eight-point favorites. That would mean that you know they're favored to win the game by eight points, which means if they're up, they're probably going to run a lot. The running back gets a lot of work. It's a workhorse running back. Makes a ton of sense. Unfortunately, on the other side of the ball, you would have to play Davis Mills and Brennan Cooks or even go to Nico Collins or Brevin Jordan. They're not the best team to do this with. That's why I like the skinny stack with them where you just play one guy on each side that complement each other. But that's all we're looking for with this is how can we score points and maximize each point scored? Can my quarterback and my receiver score points at the same time? Do you like doing the triple stack where you play two receivers with a quarterback or just like quarterback, one receiver, and that's it? Yeah, the larger the field, the more I play four and five man stacks and that's including both sides. So in like a four man would be quarterback, two guys with them. Maybe it's two wide receivers. Maybe it's wide receiver, tight end, whatever it might be. Run it back with one guy on the other side, one to two. Or, or two. For the five-man stack is a game stack, right? Where I'm running three from this side, two from the other. It's We've talked about this in the past, Pat, where it's pretty simple. It's like sports betting. It's like a parlay, right? Yes, you have all these spots to fill, but if my game stack fills five spots, that's like picking one game on the If that hits, I just need a few more things to go right. Now, if I put a running back up, let's say I have a quarterback, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver from the other team, tight end from the other team. I could have running back and defense as that secondary correlation we talked about. And then I only have to fill out a running back and a flex. I could have two opposites and I'm done. You need way less things to happen to go your way for you to have a successful day. So I think that's the key in how you should be looking at it. The larger the field, the more I want to correlate personally. And this is where Run the Sims comes in easy. You just tell it very basic rules where, hey, I want a five-player game, game stack from this game want a quarterback and I want two pass catchers and I want either a running back and a pass catcher from the other side of the ball or you can say you know two pass catchers whatever it is mix and match and then put in the secondary stack rule as well and just go bloop, yeah and it will just give you your lineups for you that's what I mean and that's why an <laughs> optimizer's key versus people that are out there building by hand it's fine to do it I've built by hand plenty when you're doing your higher dollar smaller entry stuff it's good to get a look at it oversee it that way but you can even use the optimizer like you just talked about to be able to, I call it like a virtual hand build where I'm putting in the information, letting it spit out, and then I'm just scrolling through them with my eyes and saying, okay, that one would make sense for this field. I'll, I'll, I'm hand picking from optimized lineups. So maybe I'm not picking the first one, but I'm finding one that makes sense. And I want to go back for two seconds because you brought up a good point. I think a, another way, it's more advanced, which is or intermediate, I would say, but the way to look at it, you brought up like the uh, Jonathan Taylor. Brandon Cooks, right, as a secondary stack in a game where Indy, I believe, is favored by around eight points in week one. Favored by eight points doesn't mean they win and the running back smashes. That's where <laughs> I think people just go too basic with it and say that's what that used to mean. That's definitely a good sign for it. But it is very possible that they still crush that number on the spread and win. And it's a Ryan Pittman, Ryan Mo Pittman, Mo Cox. Cox run it back with Cooks, and then everyone with Cooks that's waiting on Jonathan Taylor, it didn't happen. They threw a touchdown to Pittman out of the gate, a big one, so he's already crushing. They threw a touchdown to Mo Ali Cox the next time down after Taylor failed, and now it is Ryan with those two that are crushing, and now you've got Cooks coming back the other way. You've got the stack in a much better place at a much higher leverage point, and again, like we talked about earlier, too cute versus just playing a little bit different, you're in the exact same game, in the exact same spot that you thought everyone else was at, but you're just doing it a different way and you have massive leverage on the field. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I think that is a move for a 150 max entry. Like, I'm not doing that in a 3 max. Why not? I think that's... I, well, I, personally, I just don't like that team and like that no, game. No, no, not this... But, but, again, that, but that idea, yes. Theory, yes, I'm that, that theory I like. I think I would pick different players to go with it. But And then you don't have to worry about ownership. Like, people are so... And it's... Listen, part... I, I don't want to take sole credit for this because I'm most definitely not to, uh, to give credit to. But as a propagandist for this kind of thing, I am somewhat, and my cohorts along with me, in talking about ownership. I feel like ownership in NFL DraftKings... It means something, but it doesn't mean what it means in other sports. Like, you have nine separate slots to think of. And because so many people play correlations right now, you get condensed chalk. But that's okay if you can just be, like you said, slightly different somewhere else. And that's all you need. You don't need it six off-the-board picks because you use three chalk guys. You don't need that. Yeah, I mean, it's all how you look at it. I think think you're right on that. But, like, to to the previous example I was going to bring up, last year to get in, to King of the Beach, everyone was stacking Brady with Evans or Godwin and Gronk. I don't know if you remember this week. It was near the end of the season last year. They had this going on. It worked the week before or whatever. I ended up going in one of my lineups in the same spot with Fournette and the same run back. I flipped the same theory I just talked about. Fournette came in at 3%. It was the the reason you were on Tampa was because they were the highest total on the slate. <laughs> Everything looked good, but there was definitely an opportunity where they just run the ball in three times and then take off from there and use the backup running back and roll it out because it wasn't as important of a game to keep Brady out there, all of that. 
that was an example where you can just flip the field on its head, even in the higher stakes, smaller, smaller dollar stuff where the, you're just leveraging so much of that field that has at least one of Brady and a, and a receiver or Brady and Gronk and some people even double stacking and you're crushing those lineups. Well, I, I think you hit on the key term there of what means more than ownership is the leverage mm-hmm. that you can get with certain players. Can you explain that to people if they're not like, you said like a 3% four net. So you're leveraged with him because he's low owned, but it's not so much that he's low owned. It's he's low owned compared to his very popular teammates. Right. And your outcome happens more than 3% of the time. Yeah. I, I like, I call it like leveraging the spot, right? Like I said, oftentimes people have the right spot figured out they have the wrong play. And I use it in a couple examples, but the both examples I just gave, you're, what you're leveraging is that everyone's doing this and expecting the game to go this way. You're not veering away from the game. People are, oh, I'm going to go to the Jags or the Jets. Yeah, I'm just off then. this game. I like, don't want any piece what? of this game. You, the game is good and we know it. You have to find a way to get different in the spot. And that's the example I just gave. Another would be what I talked about to you earlier a little bit, but with running backs. Someone says, okay, this week is going to be last year. It was the Jags versus Atlanta. I remember this one perfectly. I'm going to be on Robinson. This week, he's cheap. He's 6,300. He's going to crush. $6,200 on the other side of that game was Corderell Patterson. Well, guess what? The Jags aren't that good of a team. So why are you expecting them to just go up three touchdowns and run Robinson down their throat all day? That's not what ended up happening. And also, Patterson had a chance to get there even if he was up or down, almost like a mini CMC, the way he turned his season out after that as we saw it play out. Sometimes you're in the right spot on the wrong guy. So you can flip to the other side. You're not just being stupid. You're saying, what if it's like a three-point total or three-point spread. It could easily flip the other way and Atlanta could go up. And that's what happened. Patterson absolutely destroyed and crushed at like one-eighth of the ownership of Robinson. And that's what I'm talking about leverage. You're playing the same spot, leveraging the spot, but you're going to the other side. It's not that crazy to think about what could happen in a game between the Falcons and the Jags. It's anybody's game. And I think this, I think when I look at it right now, if the Giants are going to be one of the highest owned correlation stacks, Tony, Wendell Robinson, Daniel Jones. And we'll talk more about this on the Friday show once we get right. some of these numbers that are a bit more mature. But just if optimizers are spitting out that stack already, it's not going to change. People will talk themselves out of it mm-hmm. at some point, which means Derrick Henry probably gets a bit more of a boost. So that the move would be Ryan Tannehill. Robert Woods, or I mean, no one wants Traylon Burks, but it looks like he's probably going to end up starting or Austin Hooper, whoever it is, the Titans passing game in Saquon. That's just the different way to play it. Exactly that. <laughs> or anything. Or if you really think Robinson is this smash play at that side, just get off the other plays with them, get off the Daniel Jones with them, go to the Tennessee Titans and use their passing attack and do it that way. There's just so many ways you could do it differently. But also you can look at it the other way. This is just to flip it one more way. Is like I said, look at the spot. It's still the Giants and the Titans that we're talking about here. Like if people are really going to be stacking this up three and one, sometimes there's levels to it where you could say, okay, everyone's going the giants three with a one run back. Now I'm going to go to the next level. Like you just talked about, I'm going to do the Titans instead and run it back with a giant. What if it's just not the game to play four guys from? Or what if, it, I mean, what if it's just, it's the Titans and giants that maybe yeah. you just don't want to play that game. Like well, well, I'm saying Sa- Saquon or Henry and just, do you trust anyone on the like just uh, yeah. just just on those teams outside of the two running backs on either side? We're, would you be super stunned if everyone else scored less than like seven DraftKings points? I would not, and that's the exact <laughs> point I'm making here. Is that look, it may still be the right spot based on a different thing altogether, not the team total or the back and forth, but that the prices are bad on that game. That's why the optimizers love it. Allows it's because of what it allows you to fit. So what if you just want to take advantage of a couple of those bad prices and have like a Robinson Henry or a Barkley 
with a you know a Titans guy on the other side where you can set it up differently and just run the secondary stack instead of most people are fully stacking it, right? You're looking to just go to a different angle completely on the spot. Here are some names that are thrown into the Daniel Jones uh, lineups with uh, Kadarius. Uh, this is just with Wendale, and it's not bringing it back with Derrick Henry. Your running backs will be Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor. Yep. Uh, Justin Jefferson is your flex. <laughs> so you have three of the top five players on the site. That's why people will do it. I ne- never underestimate people's want to jam in as many stud players as possible yeah. with the biggest risks possible. Yeah, and a week one allows for that very heavily, like you said, and so you already know where it's going. Much of this will not change. Throw, my, th- throw Michael Pittman into that lineup too. Yep. Even with Jonathan Taylor, people people will do that in cash. People won't do that in tournaments. Yeah. Unless that's the bring back, I suppose. No, I think you just nailed it. That's what will happen. People will still be fine to play it because it doesn't kill it, right? You can easily fit Taylor. His floor-ceiling combo is so good. Pittman is at least someone people know about in the sense that they know that he's should be okay safe for a floor, but they don't know what a ceiling will be or if, or if Taylor caps it. So I wouldn't want to do that in tournaments, like you said, because they should be capping each other. You would suspect that. How do you pick a defense? <laughs> Click a button. No, it's random. Uh, the way I do it is, you know, in large field tournaments is I actually take on more options. So I'll maybe put eight to 10. So, into it's, like, my so it's like a scatter shot for you. I am still putting thought into it. I know people, you know, frown upon this. It's so hard. There's so much variance. How would you pick one? I'm still putting thought into it. And I'll give one example in a second. But once I get my eight to 10, I just let it spread out. I usually do a max of like 25% unless I have a very good feel for something. I focus more on picking them in like my higher dollar smaller because that could be a way to separate yourself. If no one's playing an expensive D and you really think they're in a good spot. You could try it. You don't have to. And it's not usually what I do. But the example I will give is what I won't do. Oftentimes every week, you'll see the most popular defenses be based on like, oh, this backup quarterbacks in this spot. They're going to crush him. It's not always the case. And don't forget that team often has a plan to alleviate that backup that wasn't ready for this spot. So it actually ends up giving you less opportunities for the defense to get the, you want turnovers, you want sacks, yeah. you want pick sixes, I, you want these things. I can, It's the only position I am good at picking on a consistent basis. Right. There are three things you really need to look at. The offensive line of the team yes. that is expected to throw a lot. You want, you want to face, even against Patrick Mahomes, like, I don't care that a team's put up 40 points against me. I don't. What is it, minus five, minus three? I care about facing volume. If you face passing volume and dropbacks, just more opportunity to score fantasy points. It's the exact same logic of targeting a wide receiver because they have a huge target share or a bell cow running back that gets a lot of touches. Right. Why do we like them? Because they touch the ball. Yeah. They have opportunities to score. So for your opposing defense, even if you pick a shitty defense against a good quarterback, Imagine playing the Tampa defense in the Super Bowl against uh, Patrick Mahomes. What did they do? They sacked him like eight times, mm-hmm. something crazy like that. I mean, he didn't put up a ton of points, but even if he put up 30 points, that D would have still scored. But most would shy away from it because, because Patrick they, Mahomes. they didn't want to go against Patrick Mahomes. Right. I'm not saying target the best quarterbacks. Just target quarterbacks that you know are going to throw a ton, that have a bad defensive line. I mean, Football Outsiders has the best tools for this. Um, and you, if you really want to get more in-depth, there's the Advanced Stats Hub that's completely free on runthesims.com that you can go to week after week where you can look at, you know, QB pressures, QB hurries, everything like that, and then match it up with a defense. You can take the defensive side of the ball that they're generating this pressure, and then it'll be weighted against the strength of the offensive line on the other side. Because, you know, is one D-line really good because the other team had a bad offensive line, or are they a good defensive line that dominated an average mm-hmm. offensive line? But the DVOA for pass rush and O-line on Football Outsiders, I mean, just find the highest-ranked D-line with pressure versus the lowest-ranked O-line. If that matches up and you know the other team is an underdog and probably has to throw, 
give me like 80% of them. Yeah. I, and, I I'll, you, and I'll sync with it if it fails. Yeah. It's like, you know, two more quick things. Like I said, third string comes in. People, oh, you got to get it. It's a third string yeah, They're probably going to hand it off. They're probably just going to hand it off. You're not getting those opportunities. <laughs> and the other thing, back to the leverage of spot from earlier, using that same example with Patterson and with Robinson that week. If you flip from like the 35% Robinson ownership to the 5 or 6% Patterson, you could actually put him with the Atlanta D, one of those secondary stacks where it would make sense because you're leveraging that Robinson is also going to fail, which means like it's all on Lawrence. It means Lawrence is going to have to throw a ton and he was a rookie quarterback. What ended up happening? He got crushed that week as well. So that was like a perfect secondary stack. By the way, the Atlanta defense was like 2,100 that week or 20, they were the cheapest you could find, but it made sense with leveraging the spot, doing it that way versus others are trying to look for this diamond in the rough spot. So it's another way to find a defense that's unique that could actually make sense in your player pool. Bad teams to stack against teams with running quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Because they're not going to... Listen, there's going to be times where it works out. But even someone like Jalen Hurts, he just throws the ball so much less, he's going to run. So unless he fumbles, which is a far less likely outcome than a pick, especially to be returned for six... Yeah. Like... It, it depends. I, I think yeah, the only they, reason but, I'm frowning a little bit is because, like I said, like you mentioned, so they're doing like off the back foot throws when they're trying to run and scramble. Sure, the sure, but, but they're they're far more likely to run it, sure, rather than yeah, throw yeah. it. And the Eagles, I mean, after the first six weeks last year, when they stopped playing so much up tempo, they ran the ball like 56 percent of the time. The Ravens are another one. They just run the ball so much, there are fewer opportunities to score fantasy points against them. I'm with you overall for sure. I agree. Like I said, that that is the key. You're looking for those opportunities. You're looking for guys you're going to throw. And sometimes if a backup does come in we already talked about the reason not to do it against like a third string that's going to hand it off but if you know that it's like a week where they're going to give this guy a shot they want to see what he's got it's a one week trial type thing where they've got a chance to see what their dude has that's when you want to pick it up and target it what was it nathan peterman that week uh, i think he threw like five what was it five or seven there, were, there was a C- lot C- of picks Cus guaranteed they'd win that game yeah well, i think it was seven picks it would make sense that Cus did that but I th- <laughs> it was really a lot of picks, man. And like that's where I'm saying you knew he was going to get a shot to throw, though. And to get back into the leverage point, you know who a good leverage play might be in week one? Titans defense. If everyone's using Daniel Jones exactly and the Giants offense, and that's all you want from that game, like, whoa, would you be super stunned if Daniel Jones all of a sudden threw five picks? No. Yeah. It happens in baseball, DFS, all the time. I know it's a football show, but people watch probably relate, where a cheap pitcher is 40% owned tonight. And then they're wondering why the guys at the top of the leaderboard have, have five bats against, against him. him. Yeah. It's like, it's not that they were like, this pitcher was supposed to do well. He rated out well. This quarterback could do well. It's Daniel Jones. He has weapons. His stack is cheap, but he also could suck. It's just a week of football. Anything could happen. Any given Sunday's a, a saying for a reason could get destroyed. And Tennessee, there's an example again, same game, Pat, Henry and the Titans D. Forget about those Giants and those cheap price tags. Just jam against them and say that Henry does the job while everyone's on CMC and Taylor, and the defense crushes the stack that 20% of the field's on. And and you have no Giants in your and, lineup. And listen, if Daniel Jones goes off, you move on to week two. Those lineups were dead anyway. Though. Yeah. And yeah you usually, weren't, if you weren't playing it and it hits, Yeah. because at, at least in this leverage position, you give yourself a chance to not only capitalize on the failure of what... 30% of the field is doing, you're actually getting points off of it. So it goes the yeah. other way. And I was talking player pool of like my 150. If I've got 10% of the Titans D and they only end up at 3% or 4% because some are on them, but not really. I've got two and a half to three times the field depending. And I've got them in 15 lineups where I could make it work. If it doesn't work, I've got 135 lineups that are still in play and live. Those ones were dead if they were dead anyway, but if they crush, could be could be what puts me in a spot to get really lucky up top. You do this professionally, play on DraftKings. I do not. I still play it. I play every week. I think I've played every slate for the past eight years. Mm-hmm. Football, golf, 
I'll even go Euro golf. I'll go showdown slates. I played, man, I made a ton on USFL. Shout out Run the Sims nice. for USFL. That was fantastic. Most profitable sport I've ever played. Yeah. USFL. Ni- niche, niche. I don't know the, the saying. Niche. niche. But on Run the Sims, niche, that's the thing. Oh, yeah. F1, uh, MMA is coming soon. NASCAR is up yeah. there. If XFL comes back, Justin was like the best player in the world <laughs> at XFL. In. Yeah, those are, those are the numbers. And, and he sure. crushed USFL too. Like NFL, it's just like betting on NFL. The NFL has the sharpest lines out there. Like, Paul and Cody, for so long, absolutely crushed MMA betting because no one was really betting on MMA. Like, the lines weren't... The lines are sharp now. Like, they used to record their show and have to, like, wait for lines to come out. Yeah. And they could hammer the openers. Now Still, they're, still crushing. Still, still crushing, but yeah. it was just... It was like when I first started playing DraftKings PGA. I was, like, one of four people in the world who knew who the $6,000 players were. It was right. like, oh, no, this guy's actually good. We'll play him. Yeah. Like, no one else knew who he was. Now everyone knows who they are. And the NFL is just the supersized version of that. Everyone... Everyone knows everything. Everyone oh, yeah. knows all the tricks now. Like, how many new players are really coming into the DraftKings ecosystem, do you think? I, I think there's still a bunch. Like, I got friends that now are saying, like, I want to switch over and start playing it, and they're asking me for tips and tricks. But, how, ma- but how many people are now saying, hey, I'm new to all of this. I'm going to play daily fantasy DraftKings rather than just bet on games. Yeah, Pro- probably less, that's for sure. When you think about what the sports betting markets are doing right now, where they're popping up everywhere in North America, you know, it seems like every other day, a new state in the States or in, in Canada, we've got Ontario, things like that, where people just have easier access to it now. And it's much easier to just say, I'm going to go bet on a game versus what's all the stuff that Pat and Tambo are talking about with putting lineups together and correlation and stacking and leverage the spot and all these making up sayings on a show. Yeah. I try not to use too much of like the more in-depth terminology, but it's tough because we talk about it all of the time. It's probably better for, I guess, like, this isn't really an intro show. I feel like we're talking about some decent concepts here. Yeah. But I, I've put out shows in the past. Like I did one with Holka last year. Not even in thread form either. It was just Joe and I going back oh. and forth talking about how to use the tools. And I'll link that down in the description if people want to go back. And it was more for beginners of, mm-hmm. hey, if I'm just opening it up, what do I do? Like, do you play any cash games? Because I don't. No, I should, to be honest. NFL cash, I think, yeah. I actually think there's still a pretty good edge in NFL cash that you could pick up on. Even just by, like you said, sometimes, you know, just running an optimal. Maybe I wouldn't run the very first one if I saw something I didn't like. And I'm usually better at telling, like, which guy to be off of if I, you know, which could be the quote-unquote bad shock to be able to make a quick pivot or a 2v2 where I'm swapping just two guys to make it make sense. But I do think... NFL cash still has edge out there, money to be made for sure. Hmm. Yeah, it has far less variance in golf cash. It does. And I shouldn't, sorry to take over, but I just said one other thing about it. Also, you talked about that lobby and how packed it is. Go check it out on the single entry double. Yeah, you want to play in the the largest fields. There's huge fields that you should be getting way ahead of. Here's the issue with non single entry. For any new player out there, the issue with non single entry 50 50s or double ups is you're going to have guys who are the empire makers of the world who are just going to play their one lineup or two lineups. That's going to be optimal. And they're going to play it like a hundred times in that double up. So it's not really you against that many people. And there's going to be multiple players like that who just max enter the same lineup over and over. And you're going to just, be behind trains. Yeah. At least in a single entry, people can only play one lineup the, against The trains you. cause the average score to, to be go. different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you want to be in the single entry, but that's what I was going to say. NFL has the best single entry double ups as far as field size. 
there are some massive ones where again you, you're getting the point of that is you don't have to you're beating you have to beat half the field or yeah, 40 you only have to play against half the field but it's a much larger field to go up against that you just way more people are going to make mistakes not train no trains that sort of stuff that you talked about already so that's where I'm saying I think it's still worth putting it in but I have all my volumes into, into GPPs yeah I play 100% GPPs. that's all I'm in on yeah and it's not that I'm here to win the million bucks I don't even play in the millionaire maker, but I'm here to, if I do have a good lineup of the 20, I usually play the 20 max is usually the highest I go to focus more on the single entry, three max and five max plus my tournament. And that's really where I want to live. That if I actually build a lineup that has a great score, I want to get paid on that. And it'll pay for my entire year, probably pay for my entire next four years. Yeah. If I win one of these things. Yeah. Yeah. Just, no, just happen in golf for me. Yeah. If you, if you can do that, like you said, uh, you know, for me looking, you know, two, three really profitable weeks in NFL is amazing. It's unlikely. Like I said, it's, it's rare. Last year was one huge week that, that crushed, but I had other good weeks that were still solid. So you have more profitable weeks, but you want the, the spike week and that's what you're playing for. You should be willing to lose and expect to lose a lot more than you're going to win. So I just play it that way and I've had success with it. Like here, uh, the giant $25 single entry double up for week one. There's... 1839 players you need to beat 899 players in that yeah and you can make that you can make mistakes it's fine yeah. and realistically i mean that's why i like the single entries because you can make them you don't need to have everyone with fire emojis next to their name in your single entry lineup oh you, you, can, get, you can actually have zeros and get away with it in those like it's like that's like you said it's just a spot where you can beat the field versus having to worry about needing to come first talk to me about qualifiers because obviously you've done very well over the years with the qualifiers. I find it to be the biggest money dump in the world for me. It is. You have to have a budget in mind. This is talking about goals. Like a different season, budget. All this stuff. Absolutely. Like it's still going to come out of your bankroll. I'm just saying, but at the same time, you should be setting up for this and planning for it. Don't just, I mean, again, whatever you want to do, it's up to you. Like, for example, you brought up earlier, people want to play the $100, the $100 single entry. At least if you come up short, you can min cash and move on to next week. And maybe now you can have a bankroll for two entries, but you still play your one and you've got to reserve for the week after so on and so forth in qualifiers it's typically winner take all with like maybe six of the top 80 spots so like the hundred dollar um you know king of the beach week one i think it's a hundred dollar it's 80 man field max of two and i'm guessing like top four get paid and it's like very it's nothing for second third and fourth it's first gets you the ticket so you have to have a separate budget because obviously you can bust in that more often than not but if you hit it you're into the round one the round one's usually 250 75 of that move on now you're playing in a 75 man field with 250k to first 150k to second it's what we talked about where you want to be in you want to sort of emulate that when you're playing each week versus playing these millie makers so i think it's worth it because of that angle you get yourself a better spot to put yourself in that position where you only got to beat 74 other i had two in there last year of the 75 and i got 34th and second it's like, but you're only playing against 73 other players when I've got two entries in that tournament. Yeah, that happened in the golf world championship this year. Where one guy had like 11 entries in the final. Yeah, well, he had 15 to start. He got 15 through to round. They do a three-round yeah. setup, got 15 through, and then ended up going down to five in, in the finals and, you know, coming in second. So it just puts you in a better position. So week one, there is a qualifier for the fantasy football world championship, which has $12.5 million in the prize pool. Now there's like $10,000 qualifiers. Have you ever wondered how you see the same people in these uh, fantasy yeah. football world championships? Because generally they're winning the $10,000 one against like four other people, yeah. not the $5 one against 7,000 other people. Yeah. So the 125 one's interesting because it has 642 people in it. First place, you get the ticket plus five grand. Second is a thousand bucks. Third is 500. Fourth is 250. Fifth to 33rd is money back. 
It's all just it is. Call it a winner take all. Like it's I, a winner take all. The other stuff but is whatever. Do you think it would be more sensible to like if if I wanted to try to qualify for something like this? Am I better off playing three entries in the five dollar all eighteen weeks or two times during the year trying to take a shot at the one twenty five? Well, I'm always going to play the the smaller fee. So would I. I, I would take the shot twice. I would rather. I would much rather do that. You know, someone with a better spreadsheet than me are going to go figure out all the math and all the backwards stuff. Go ahead, but I'm just saying that for me would be how I would do it. How I'd recommend it for anybody or you know budget for it, plan for it. Like for me, here's an example that I personally do is they have a mega that they run at the end of every season, which is usually like five thousand dollars, but it's got like seven seats. It's the last chance to get into the world championship, the, the FFWC which is a huge up top. It's like two and a half million to first two million. To, it's just a, an incredible payout structure. I think it's last place gets like 20,000. But the point is I budget to have that money available for that week. I'll try and win satellites into it too, which I also budget for, but I want, I'm going to play that mega because that's my best shot of the year. Guaranteed. It's I'm playing against a smaller field with multiple seats up top with a strategy set in mind. It just has to work that given week. It's not always going to happen. It hasn't yet, but that would be an example where I would go after it every year in that position. So do you, you like the satellite qualifiers? I do. I, I like them as well. I mean, I primarily play them in golf to get into like the $555. Yeah. I try to get into the 444. That only happened once. But yeah. the 555, like you're taking on for 90 bucks, you're taking on like nine other people, something like that. Yeah. Forget what it is. But like, there's a few of them this week around, like to get into, to get a $125 ticket, it's 29 bucks. You have to beat four other people. That's doable. It, it's, you're you're going to win a few of those just by luck, at least throughout the course of the just season. Keep, yeah, you got to keep playing. Yeah, that's the whole point. But if you stick with it, your odds are just so much better to be able to get through to that. And then that's what gives you the opportunity. And it's also like those watching the show, it's not a live show, but usually we get our questions in the live show chat. It's like, how did you get the bankroll to set aside to play these qualifiers? People think you just like got gifted the money or something. No, this is exactly the path that most people take. You play a $9, you get into a 333. In the 333, you win 3,000. Now you can level up a little bit and then all of a sudden, boom, you hit for 50 grand. It's not that easy. It's the point of the progression. If you're playing it that way, that's how you're able to level yourself up, be able to get to these higher dollar buy-ins. And then from there, anything can happen. And that's just sort of how it happened for me and how it's always been for a lot of people that I know. And that seems to be the most common story. Like I know a few rich dudes who came in and they just kind of crushed. Yeah. They have tons of money. They don't really care if they lose it or not. And that's what you said. Scared money don't make money. The more disposable income you have in this space, the, the better, better you're going to be. For sure. And because <laughs> And you don't care about it. Usually it's disposable. It's like whatever. If you can just put that aside and play it, which is how a lot of people do this, then that's fine. But the point is that $9 satellite, you probably have it in the $12 single entry. But you're also playing it in the $5 and the $20 three match. So you're doing the right thing. Just skip the $12 single entry for the final third tournament you're putting it in and throw it into the $9 satellite. Next week when you're in the 333 that you win the seat from, you may end up spiking it for 250K or 100K or something like that. And now you've got the bankroll to get rolling and put more time into it. I know it's a 150 max tournament, but I like the 300K slant $9 tournament. Mm-hmm. I think that's for the like lowish stakes. I think that is the best one if you want to go enter. It's better than the five dollars. Better than the three dollar. It's not a millionaire maker, so it doesn't get like the buzz. But it's a you at least double your money if you min cash. And the payout structure is favorable. Like it's ten percent to first, thirty thousand, fifteen to second, ten to third, seventy five hundred to fourth. Uh, down to tenth place is ten percent of what it is. Like that's the best structured tournament for the lower limits. I think. Yeah. It's so hard to win the $20 millimaker. <laughs> I know that if you look at the numbers and go long-term and everything like that, like you're, you're 
positive EV because it's a million if you do ship it. Yeah, yeah, It's just going to be massive. Yeah, if you, like, if you win a million dollars in a millionaire maker, you're doing you know, You have no idea when that would be and so there, so on and so forth. But what I will say is this, and I just converted to it last year because I, twofold. One, I wanted to really focus on the higher dollar, smaller field stuff, which is how I got, again, to King of the Beach and ended up having better success with it. I think I was able to leverage spots. I had three lineups in, two got through to the final, and I was able to leverage those against the field and have one get to the second place near the top. But I will say this, Pat, last year, what I converted to, instead of the $20 Millimaker week to week, I played the $9 slant, and then I put that same 150 lineups into the $5 FFWC qualifier. And so the way I validated it in my mind, I'm weird like this. Instead of playing the $20 Millionaire Maker, I was you saving, saved money. I was saving seven money. bucks a lineup, <laughs> right? I was going off of that. So it, it was cheaper in that sense. And then the other end of it was um, that if I was to win the 50K in the $9 that would have been a million, I at least probably got a seat with it where I have a chance to go in 2 million or 2.5, I think it was last year at the qualifier. So I don't get it today. I missed on the million, but I was never going there anyway. And I still gave myself a second out to be able to have a chance at the big money down the road in a smaller field. If you're someone that plays around like $400, $500 a week, that's about like, to be perfectly honest, that's where I'm at. That's what I like to play every single week in NFL. And in golf, some weeks it's a bit more, some weeks it's a bit less. Really depends. Like it's a, if it's a major week in golf, which is really the way you shouldn't do it, I should play all my money at the Heritage every single year or the John Deere Classic. Well, I you do, should definitely push when you have your edge. Like you know yeah, where your spot is. Th yeah. Those are my spots. Shorter yeah. courses with weak fields. That's where I do well. Everyone kind of knows what's going on at the Masters. It can change. There's variance, but you feel comfortable going in. Your, pro your process is good. You're ready to go with it. I think that's when you should push for sure. And in the NFL it's weird week to week some weeks you're feeling it some weeks you're not and sometimes that has no correlation with whether whether or not you're right or wrong right it's just a feeling that you have but if i'm doing that and let's say i wanted to play in one of these higher stakes single entry tournaments like i'm looking at the 400 dollar three max entry juke i would treat that as a single entry i'd only put in one entry mm -hmm. but i don't feel like i'm at a huge disadvantage in a three max if i only have one entry in and there's 277 people in that it's a pretty good nice first place prize but then you also have like the 333 Wildcats, 100,000 to first place. There's 2,000 people. And I feel like that tournament's too big for me. Yeah, I think it would be. And I think the way to look at it would be look at what the max entries are and see that like you, that's the whole point. You brought up the juke situation earlier. You can, you can take that down, tie it all together though. The juke, you could treat like a, a single entry. It's a three max 444, but the field is still very small. You can get away with it. It's your one lineup. You put it in. In the 333, though, what's the, the max entries? Isn't it like 87 or something? Or it is 60. 60. Yeah, 60-ish. Yeah, and 60 people will percent. max out the 60. Oh, for sure they will, every week. And, and that's <laughs> why you'll see some of the same names at the top because they've got 60 really strong lineups in a smaller field trying to win that once or twice a year the way they're doing it with how much they're putting in week to week. It sounds crazy, but think about how those ad entries add up. The other side of it would be is you could look at it like the 444. There is some really strong 153 max where twofold. One, you're using almost the same money, right? 153 max is 450 as the 444. You're into a smaller field where it's still decent payout structure. But what you can really do, Pat, is work on your game. Because now you could say, okay, treat one of the lineups like it was your single entry. So you can get better at single entry. And then work on building a three max portfolio so that you can feel comfortable going into three max or putting three lineups into any tournament of your choice moving forward. So I, I like doing that. And that's how I really focused on it last year and was able to get better at it. Quick tips before we get out of here. One I wanted to ask you is how do you pick a single entry lineup out of your 150 lineups? 
typically it's like I said, going, knowing what the field is doing. So last minute, usually like on Sunday morning, figuring out what the field is doing, looking at my projections, how it spit them out. And then, like I said, I do what's called like a virtual hand build. I'm looking at how my stuff spit out with what I wanted. And then I'll play the optimal, whatever my optimal is, because usually it's still unique enough and different because I'm playing these higher fields or, or larger fields. But I'll look for a lineup that makes the most sense against the field. So like we said, if everyone's playing, you know, what we talked about, the Daniel Jones lineups, maybe I'll just go with the secondary stack only if I like the prices in that game, or maybe I'll ignore it altogether. Maybe I'll do what you said and run it the other side because the rest of the lineup makes sense. It's really more about what the field is doing. Playing the game of DFS versus worrying about who the picks are. That, that's really what it comes down to for a tip. And at rumpuresports.com, you can get some insight into that. We're going to have a lot of it, actually. Yeah, our, you go to our YouTube channel. We put out the schedule release yesterday. I hosted it, so it breaks everything down. But uh, just to plug a couple quick shows, the Off the Chalk Show on Sunday. I'm hosting that. It's 8.15 Eastern. It's an early one. But it is the, you know, sort of starts our flagship Sunday of free shows. That, the Morning Wood with Big T and Hoop and guys back-to-back, we have those shows. But that's where we're talking about this exact stuff. So you can go to rumpiersports.com, use promo code NFL15, sign up now. It's the best price we're going to have. Prices are going up after week one. And that's 15, you get the 15% off, and that's like NWO for life? For life, as long as you don't cancel your membership. There we go. Uh, and if you want the tools to put to good use, highly suggest runthesims.com slash mayo. You'll get the optimizer, the lineup builder, showdown simulator. You can run each of the games, and it's all customizable. So if you're looking at it right now, and you see that the Jags are three-point underdog, dogs to the commanders and you think the jags are going to win that game by four you can just go in switch the spread and then run it ten thousand times if that's your hunch for that game that the jags are going to win then all of a sudden that's going to completely change all the numbers and then you can simulate it ten thousand times and see what the bell curve spits out and use those projections so you can put in your own intuitive nature of what you think is going to happen and then use the tools to the best advantage spit out lineups spread out prop projections and if you go to runthesims.com and use code mayo or go to slash mayo you're gonna get that discount cannot recommend it enough and tambo if you're not playing with tools you're probably losing yes i agree that's like that just even if like you're not using it to play 150 max just running the optimal right now tells me i know what most what a third of the people are going to do. Yeah, in week it's, one. it's what you just said. It's not that you have to use it for what it says. It gives you an idea of what everyone's doing as well. So it's also helping you use it to play against it, which which is what I love. All right. If you got any tips that you want to share, check them down in the comment section. Smash the like button for the episode sub to Mayo Media Network if you want to get in that cash giveaway. $1,000 in total giving out in week two. All you got to do is sub to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you download your podcast. Do that. Leave an Apple or Spotify five-star review, Twitter handle, or email along with something nice. You can tell me how handsome I look. It'll make me feel good. Don't say I look ugly because you're not going to fucking win, all right? I do the draw. I'll see what it says. You're not going to win. Give your head a shake, pals, all right? Anyway, thanks for tuning in. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Have your experience! Experience!